0: Hey everyone, and welcome to the episode eight of the eLearning Guys. My name is Nate Jorga Dumin, and joining me is Mr. David Charney.
1: Hello, Nates. Hello, everyone.
0: Hello, David. How are you, sir?
1: I'm never better. How are you doing?
0: Fantastic. And I will be even fantasticker after we record this. <laughs>
1: fantasticker.
0: Yeah, it's a new one. It will be in the dictionary in the next few years. We have some follow-up. I I, uh, misspoke a few episodes ago about the dial design, the new dial interaction that is available in the the new Storyline 360. I said that you cannot change the dial to, you know, you cannot change the thumb of the dial to anything else. And that is still true. However, you can when you insert a dial, you can convert a current object or other shape or, 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 or or an image to a dial. So, there is a possibility to have the dial in any form or size that you want. So, yeah, that is available there. And uh, as David uh, pointed out to me in, before the recording, uh, you can easily then change the state of that dial and you can have it change while you drag and while the you know variable changes and so on. So there are many, many different options and opp- opportunities to create some interesting stuff. You want to add something to
1: that? Uh, I've I played around a little bit with dials. Uh, there's some things I want to try out with them, but uh, yeah, it does seem like there's a lot you can do with them. Yeah.
0: Looking forward to... to I have an idea that I, I, I could not work on because I thought this was not possible, but uh, oh yeah, soon it will be done. And our X days in review. I did not have anything or... Nothing to point out at at this uh, moment of the show. I'll, I'll squeeze that in a bit later. But Dave, uh, you were work, working on something interesting. You showed me before.
1: Yeah, I've been playing around with uh, a kind of a keyword search engine in uh, in Storyline. Mm-hmm. It's Storyline plus JavaScript, uh, and yeah, just the idea that we might have like micro modules in a course, and uh, m- maybe instead of someone having to be trained on everything at once, you know, having it available when they need it, type in a a keyword, like if they want to find out about, you know, fire emergencies, they could just type in fire and it will find the uh, appropriate uh, screen within Storyline, you know, and, and it'll, you know, it'll give you results of multiple things. So anything that, if you type sick, it might have stuff for both sick days and health and safety. You know, mm-hmm. different pages you might have in your project. Um, so anyway, it's kind of a first iteration, and I'll probably post some stuff on it. But uh, it 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 functions, <laughs> so that's that that got over my first hurdle. Um, so yeah. we'll we'll see what I uh, what I can do with it. I guess.
0: Yeah, it's very nice. Very nice. I think it's uh, it's a useful thing to have, especially in a big course. As you, as you mentioned to me in, in the off, off, off the show.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it, yeah, I could see it also being very helpful in like a reference uh, course. You know, if you come back to uh, a course after you've taken it and you want to mm-hmm. jump specifically to something, being able to type in a keyword. Because yeah, yeah. oddly enough, I didn't realize this, the menu on the side of storyline has, if you're in Flash, there is you can turn on a little search uh, it should. Field. I think it should it, work in both. It just the
0: thing is you have to have menu enabled if I'm not mistaken.
1: Uh, it actually doesn't work in HTML. Really? In HTML, it it is not an option. It won't show up. Even in 360? Did you try 360? I didn't.
0: <laughs> <laughs> my my bet is that it 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 works there.
1: I'll have to try that out. I'm not sure, but um, I rarely use that. Side menu, and I don't want to have to have the search within that side menu, so um so yeah, uh I'm sure there's a lot of things uh it could be used for, but I'm still kinda it, it works, but it's it's ugly under the hood, so I gotta make it look yeah. a little bit nicer
0: <laughs> actually it doesn't matter to the user as long as it, as long as it works
1: well b- although I do want it so that it's easier for someone as a template to be able to yeah m- make make changes to it. So there's a couple things I know that could be done to ease mm-hmm. that process. Mm-hmm. Cool. Looking forward to,
0: to the updates to this. And now the topic of the show, 25 storyline tips and tricks. And maybe we'll squeeze a few more in between. We don't, we, we'll just see if, uh, you know, oh, oh, I always think of other stuff when you, you know, when you start bonus. explaining, you know, you get an idea, you have association to other things. So, yeah. Yeah, some
1: bonus tips and tricks. Stay tuned.
0: <laughs> only on the learning guys. Uh, first one button sets. <laughs> this was a really nice treat for me when I found out about this. Uh, but, well, so let me explain what button set does. If you have many buttons or, or things that user can select, um, but you want do you want them to select only one thing at a time of that set. And that's exactly what the button set does. You select a bunch of items, you right-click on them, and you, select, you go to button set, and then you can set it to a a button set or you can change a name to another button set. And you can have... So you can have many of these groups on your slide, and it's really, really super handy uh, feature to, to use. Um, I, I, I was just working on some quizzes that had... Um, You know, they had some, there were some uh, sentences there. And then on the right, you had to select if this is correct or incorrect sentence with a normal radial button. So that, I went, I I jumped straight to the button set. I selected each pair of correct and incorrect to be a button set for each line. And, you know, that saved me a bunch of triggers that I would uh, have to use otherwise. Because otherwise, it's, it's super tricky to do that. I mean, you have to keep watching which state is something in and then you have to keep changing another one. And it's a mess. But button sets, they save you of all the trouble.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something that might take you uh, hours with uh, <laughs> yeah. triggers you can you can do in, in, what, 30 seconds. You know, if you've got a yeah. bunch of buttons f- as tabs... Uh, just select them all and make it a button set and you're all set. Yeah. You're it, all button set.
0: You know, if you're working on a totally custom, uh, you know, like ABC uh, question that only one answer is uh, mm-hmm. selected, that you go with that. I mean, if you're not using a, fr- uh, a free form, convert to free form, so, so, so useful. When I when I found out about it, I was really happy that this existed. Really, really happy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Fell out of the chair. <laughs> yeah. Well, very good. Um,
0: let's, let's jump to the next one.
1: Yes, moving forward. So on-screen variables. Uh, this, this is something that's very handy if, you are, if you're doing kind of complex things and you don't quite know if it's working right. It's great for problem solving. So the idea here is that you can, you've got all these variables, but you can't really see them. Uh, you know, you, you probably use them a lot. You set them to true or false, or maybe you're doing a math problem and you need something to add up correctly. Uh, what we often do when we're trying to figure, when we're trying to build stuff is we might create, well, first we've got variables that we need for our project, and sometimes we build custom specialized variables to check trues and falses of things. and um, uh, Or even, say, you've got a slider and you want to see what the value of that slider is, mm-hmm. uh, what, what, what you can do is you can take a text field, you can put it on screen, and then you can uh, what is it, uh, input uh, a reference into that text box and um, basically puts a percentage, or is it two percentages, uh, on either side mm-hmm. of the variable name. And then when you run your project, you can see what any of those variables are in real time. Yeah. So you can see if things are setting true or false when you expect them to. And if you're getting a, a null value or a blank or a seven, when you should be getting a 15, you know some sort of math problem. So they're very handy. Yeah, exactly. As you said,
0: to problem solve, or just maybe to check on things, you know if you have a quiz with some scores, you know, totally custom variables, and you're not sure if it's adding up correctly. You know you you, uh, you just you know put it in a master slide so it's always visible, you go through the quiz and you see that the the number changes as it should, yeah, very nice. number three hide base layer objects on other in other layers, yeah, so I really like this one because it's very handy, and uh, I think it's fairly underused uh, so what you can do is um, if you're in a layer. You don't have, and you want to hide an object on a base layer, you don't need a trigger to do that. Um, at least if you want it to be hidden all the time, I mean. Uh, you just go to the timeline, and you scroll to the bottom, where you see base layer object. You click on a little, you know, little arrow, triangle thingy, and it expands out to show you all the objects on the base layer, and then you could just click the eye icon and hide those objects away. It's really handy, you know, if you just have to hide something when you're on a layer, just don't don't mess with triggers, just use that uh use that functionality and it it, you know, it can just just save you time and the, the let's say the code in quotes is much cleaner then. Do you use that, sir?
1: Uh I do use that from time to time and it's nice too because when you when that layer closes, it will come back. Yeah, it really you don't need any triggers.
0: So actually you're saving two triggers.
1: Yeah, brilliant. Number four. Number four, course duration. Uh, so sometimes people will say, hey, how, how long is this course? And you might have a pretty lengthy course with a lot of timelines, and it might take you some time to figure that out. Uh, if you want, though, if you want an estimate, uh, you can easily go into the publish screen of Storyline. You'll see your title and there'll be a, a little button to the right of that title with three little dots. If you click that, you'll get another menu. And if you look down that uh, down that menu or that kind of settings page, you'll see estimated course duration, which it kind of derives from the uh, different timelines that you have in the project. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is an estimate, so uh, you don't want to... You'll want to check the course yourself if you really need to know how the expected length of time, the seat time of a course. But it it certainly can uh, very quickly give you an idea of how long your course uh, might take. A ballpark, one could say. A ballpark, yeah. Yeah, I did not know that.
0: that, um, Currently, I can say until last year. But yeah, it was not long ago where I had no idea this thing existed. Number five, change picture. I really like that one because um, I like all the shortcuts I can use. <laughs> and it's, uh, although it's not a big one, you know, it doesn't save you a ton of time, but it's just easier. If I don't have to move a mouse by 10 centimeters, then I'll take that. Uh, so it's super easy just right click on an image, click change image, and then you can just switch it out with another image file. Uh, so super simple. And uh, maybe just I'll add another little small tip here. If you double-click on an image or actually on any other object that you're using on the slide, it will change the toolbar on the top to jump to the format. So, you know, if you just want to click quickly, whatever you want to do with the formatting of that object, you can just double-click on that object and the toolbar will sh- will show the, the format menu, which is also super handy because it saves you a click and that's worth it.
1: Yeah, I did not know that. I guess I will be saving some time from here on out. (laughs) Okay, Dave, number six. Number six, uh, syncing the text with audio. So I think a lot of people know this one, but I still run across people who don't, and it is such a time saver, I, I thought it should be mentioned. So this is the idea that you might have a text box with a bunch of kind of paragraphs of text or bullets and you want to kind of individually sync those to uh, the audio. So when the audio is playing through, you want them to kind of show up uh, with, the, with the audio mm-hmm. so that someone can kind of focus on, on each as they go and not read ahead and get lost and get confused, which is not what we want. No. So what you can do is you can, in the animation panel, you can select some sort of, you know, fade in or uh, slide in from the bottom or whatever you want. And you'll see a little effects options. And if you click on that button, you'll see in there by paragraph. And if you click that button, what it does is it, it'll look like a group in the timeline. And in that group, it will break each of those paragraphs or bullets down into individual little layers, which you can slide to fit any sort of uh, mm-hmm. uh, a- audio positioning that you need. It's, it's a very nice, it's a very quick way to uh, sync things up. I'll throw in a little bonus tip as well. Um, the, a lot of people miss the little play button on the timeline, kind of the lower left, and that is also very handy to play through your timeline without having to kind of yeah. preview your course so you can kind of sync everything up.
0: Or uh, just another tip to that tip, just instead
1: of pressing play, just press space bar. Or you can press the space bar. (laughs) Super tip.
0: Uh, Tip squared. All right. Uh, Number seven, hide unused guides. All right. This is, I'm pretty sure, you know, there are people that are using Storyline from day one that don't know this one. Uh, Because it's really not intuitive, um, but sort of makes sense (laughs) once you know about it. You know, so if you, if you have many guides in, in, your, in your slide, uh, which you can create by holding down the control uh, button and just dragging on a, on a guide to create a duplicate, and then if you have many and you want to hide them, how do you hide them? How? Let me tell you. <laughs> drag a guide and just drag it exactly over another guide. So pixel perfect. Drop it there. It will disappear. There will be only one guide. And boom, you've done
1: it. Magic. Yes. Brilliant. Number eight, uh, lorem ipsum. So if you're not familiar with lorem ipsum, you've probably seen it around in a template or who knows where. Uh, it's basically this kind of dummy text, which is kind of based on this Latin, these Latin paragraphs. And it kind of resembles, if you look at it from afar... Uh, kind of English, if you will. And it's used often to uh, just kind of fill in the blanks so you can see what you're looking at. You can get a feel for how things can be laid out with that text or if you just need some kind of dummy text. Um, A lot of times people will kind of go somewhere and copy and paste that in. But if you want, in any text box, you can hit the equal sign. You can type lorem, L-O-R-E-M, and uh, parentheses, and hit enter, and it will... Fill in the text box with lorem ipsum. Yep, very nice. This one is really handy.
0: Number nine, copy triggers to many objects. Oh yeah, this is another one I love because uh, <laughs> it saves time and clicks. As, as, as I said, you can copy triggers to other objects. So you can, you can uh, go ahead on the right side, you can go to a trigger that you want to copy, you click on it, you click copy, And then you go back to the slide and select all other objects that you want this trigger to be used on. And then you select them and just click paste or uh, control V. Uh, And all those triggers will be copied to to those objects also. And also the nice thing is triggers, like 80%, they totally adapt to that object. So if the trigger was when I click on this object show layer blah blah this the same trigger will then be applied to other objects so when I click on the object x6 whatever it was this this part of the trigger we change will change to reflect this to that the, to reflect the the object that, that the trigger is on so that's really nice but sometimes that's not perfect uh, but still it can save you time um, so maybe if uh you know a variable has to change when when they click on different uh, objects but the variable is different it's still useful just to copy that trigger and then just go ahead and change that variable to another variable it will still save you time so uh and especially it's it's really good to think about this when you have when you have a situation with a lot of objects which more or less do the same thing uh, it's also wise then maybe to start with that object make that triggers on that object perfect to what you want to do and then create duplicates of that object and all the triggers will be copied to to the to, to, to the to the other copies which will also t- save you time and if you have to make adjustments you make adjustments but that's something I, I i started using you know when i saw that there's a lot of corrections you have to do if, if you have you know 50 objects and there's there's something wrong so it's really good to start, you know, with one, two, three. Make sure that the, the 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 interaction is perfect, and then just copy them how many times as as many times as you want. I know this was a
1: bit longer than I wanted, but yeah, I I think th- I think these are good tips. Huge time saver. I mean, and you can copy those across, you know, in, into a layer, uh, into another slide. So huge time saver.
0: Yeah. What, what we only what we wish at this point, because uh, we want to save even more time, is to be able to copy more than one trigger at a time so when that day comes uh, i'll have a beer big one
1: yeah can you do that in 360 now no no no
0: (laughs) if that if that was available we would say that in i think episode two or three
1: (laughs) yeah i thought it was something that was recently added or i i must have heard something never mind Ignore me. Maybe
0: you're thinking of the layers. That's what they have. Oh, yeah, yeah, layers. Yep. Yeah, yeah. All right, so uh, number 10, Dave.
1: Number 10, lost story files. So I don't know if I'm the only person that this has ever happened to, but I have had storyline crash on me and I have loaded it back up and it didn't say, uh, hey, uh, we've got a backed up version of your file. Mm -hmm. Uh, And... So, you know, well, boy, I I lost, you know, four hours of work. Um, I usually save more than that, but that's my example here. Um, If that's the case, you might actually not have lost that work. Um, This is a a probably rarely needed tip, but when it happens, it's incredibly valuable. Um, You can, and you'll have to look at your, I think it's kind of based on your Windows settings, but it's through... um, you've got to find the right directory but there's a um a temp file that gets created mm-hmm. and uh it won't quite look like your normal file uh you can do some searches on this um to find exactly where the folder would be for you uh but you very well may have a temp file which is actually your story file you can rename it uh and you know you can check the date and time on that and uh see if you didn't lose as much as you thought
0: yeah and so the the name of the file actually it's the same name only with the t m. p. at the end, if I'm not mistaken uh or and and maybe some numbers, but if you just make a search for the files with the same name, you should be able to find it
1: yeah, I think it's got some numbers and stuff in it, so I think it's a date or something. I think it's a date but yeah if you if you type in the name before the dot story, it should help help you find it
0: mm-hmm. Very helpful, very helpful. But <laughs> just as a side note, side note, as I, as I wrote to, to you on Twitter, you know, I run, I run uh, Windows in Parallels, and I don't have a bunch mm-hmm. of space there. It's like ten gigs, and then it fills up with all these TMP files, and I just go there and delete everything.
1: <laughs> well, see, that's fine. You just don't want to delete that one that you really, really need.
0: Yeah, yeah. I always, I always leave the last few, uh, <laughs> according to the date. But yeah, another extra tip here, yeah. If you're running out of space, check there, because uh, it could be a lot. Especially if you're working on big projects like we did, You know, with these 12 languages versions, it's like 700 oh, yeah. megs per and file. A bunch of huge temp yeah, files. Yeah, it's gigabytes uh, in, in seconds. All right, number 11. Hold Shift or Alt while working with objects. Yeah, this is something I learned back in the you know, previous uh, century, uh, in Word actually, because Word supports all of these interactions. So if, you're, if you hold shift and if, if, if you're moving, moving an object around, the shift will force the object to move horizontally or just vertically to where you started. So it's really easy. It's nice if you want to move, move something and have it aligned to where you were. Uh, I know Storyline helps, you know, with some, uh, it does some of, of the aligning by itself, but uh, it's still, this is still a useful thing, and uh, you can hold Alt while you move an object also, uh, which will disable the grid, so the object won't be jumping, you know, by 8 pixels, which is the default for the grid, but it w- it will be smooth. Uh, which can help a lot cuz uh, sometimes 8 pixels is just too much
1: yeah that's true
0: also for the, uh, the the same applies for the rotation if you're attending an object and it you know it, it jumps by i don't know 20 degrees if you hold alt it will be smooth yeah
1: i think you said 8 pixels i think that's 8 pixels is the number of pixels that th- that is the number of pixels that it offsets when you copy and paste something right on top of something else is that right
0: I have no idea what's that the drift there.
1: Uh, I I could have sworn I read it, that it's eight pixels. It, uh, could
0: that be based on the on the grid setting?
1: It could be. Yeah.
0: No, but I don't think it is, because if you disable the grid, it still does the same.
1: Mm. And and I'll throw out here. Let's step away from this list for me to say that I would love to have a paste in place option at some point here. And now we're back to our list. <laughs>
0: And Dave, you have number 12.
1: Number 12, animating states. So let's say you've got a button and you want that button to be a little bit more engaging, uh, a little bit more energy in that button. What you can do is in a state of that button, for instance, rollover, you can create another little object on top of the object that you have there. And you've got uh, all the animating tools, I think, other than uh, at least the you know fades in and and slide around and all those sort of tools mm-hmm. uh you can set any of those to that new object so you can kind of animate things around um you can do quite a lot with that but uh yeah don't forget you can uh animate those states
0: yeah i mean there's the yeah but but not the um st- not the object the base object but other objects you add in that state right y- that's yeah.
1: correct yeah. i th- yeah i think it disables everything for the base object so yeah. Yeah. you'd have to put an object on top of it uh you know if you yeah. have a white button and dark text and when you roll over it you want the button to be dark and the text to be white mm-hmm. um you'd put an object on top of that you could do a fade or you could do a like a where both sides come from either side and come in uh yeah. whatever you call that and then have the text on top uh so nice little nice little effect
0: yeah we use that i used that on the on a, on a on a course where we i had a state for finished where, when it was like a menu when something was finished from that menu uh so the state when you when you came to the slide i changed the state because of the variable and then there was a like a check mark added, but i didn't want just check mark to appear there like you know in in an instant, but I put a grow animation i think yeah grow so it just the the check mark grows and it's nicely animated and user can actually see what what has happened so I think that mm-hmm. that's that's a good approach
1: i I will say though, and i don't i th- i think they might have fixed this, but you used to have to take like if i had a button on screen and you rolled over it the very first time it would kind of be the animation would not be smooth because it was kind of rendering it the first time and you used to have to put a button off the stage and tell it to go to the uh hover state if you're if that's the case that you're you're doing so that when you roll over the button for the first time it's nice and smooth so i don't think you have to worry about that anymore i'll double check that But if you do notice that you try that and it seems really like the first time you roll over, it's really like the animation's chunky um, or it seems to be dropping frames, uh, that is a fix that I used to have to use.
0: Yeah, I did not hear about that and I did not see that problem. So this must have been in version one at the beginning.
1: Yeah, it must have been because that was definitely a problem for a while.
0: Number 13, lucky number.
1: And we're, yeah, no, tomorrow, is 13. Uh, yeah,
0: which actually means nothing. But um, no, if well, I mean it's a number. It's that's correct. It comes after twelve. Um, that's right. <laughs> and now and now to our tip number twelve B, uh, when you press space to preview the slide, as we explained before, you can add cue points on the go. So it's really nice if when you're listening to the sound of the speaker or whatever is happening in the sound. And then you want to make marks to parts of the sound that you hear. And you you can create cue points on the fly by pressing the C key. And uh, it will leave lovely cue points there for you. And then you can just adjust the objects to that that th- those cue points, have another listen, do some small adjustments again, and uh, the slide is synced. Otherwise, I think it's... Um, Without this procedure, it's quite, uh, I don't know, a painful process to sync these things up.
1: Yeah, a lot of trial and error. But yeah. yeah, to animate things on screen and to just throw a couple points on there so you've got some kind of reference points, that's very handy. Yep. So 14, thumb slider images. So if you create a slider, you've got the thumb, which is like the actual button you click and drag back and forth. That you can, if you go up into the menu, you know you'll see, you know, you can change its color and some things like that. But you can also put an image within that, uh, and that that can be. I don't know why you would use that. Um, you could do anything with that. Um, I moved my car. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, you you <laughs> put your little car in that. Uh, I used it for the parallax guy. So I've I've I have two sliders. One slider is longer than the other. I've got two long office images in it so when you slide it back and forth the the further one from you slides slower than the closer one and it gives that kind of parallax feel so uh you know there is a lot you can do with that i just couldn't think of any examples um so check it out (laughs) uh number
0: 15 Click on an arrow in the story view or scene view to see the trigger. Yeah, this is this is really handy and quite hidden. Uh you know in the in the story view when you see all of your slides and how are they connected and all of those arrows to see from which slide you jump to which slide. If you click on that arrow, you can see the trigger that causes that connection, which is really nice and handy. Well, just to see if everything adds up nicely, because I had a situation once when uh, I know just I had one trigger to jump to the next slide. But when I was looking at the story uh, view, I saw that there's like three of those arrows. So what's happening here? If you click on that, you'll see what's happening. And that can give you extra info on how the course is built. And if you have some troubleshooting to do, that's it's a nice trick to 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 check what's going on there
1: yep great way to kind of make sure clean up your project a little bit make sure there's maybe not some triggers that you yeah. you don't want that you don't you haven't been noticing but you, you don't want your learner to run into something
0: yep exactly
1: all right 16 invisible slide backgrounds this is a simple one but i've i've noticed and i actually ran into this myself early on you know you, you can go in and change all the colors to everything the um you know the the shell of the of your storyline project, uh, the background, the borders, the buttons. Uh, but then you want to you want to kind of change your background of the slide itself, and you can't quite find that option. You keep outputting, but it's it's always white unless you change the the color. Uh, but what you can very easily do is just right click on that background in the slide you're in. And you'll see that you can adjust its color or you can set it to transparent. You can set the transparency. Uh, so if you really want to kind of hide everything, including your the slide itself, the color of the slide itself, so it uses whatever the background is, uh, that's a really uh, uh, helpful thing to know. Um, and in fact, I use that if you want to put like an image in the HTML file, uh, which is a little bit more complicated. But say you want kind of a full screen background And you don't want, so you want your slide to show through, um, which is a nice little, uh, you you can do some nice little layouts and uh, it's a nice effect, but that's the way you'd want to do it. You would want to right click on the slide and set the transparency to uh, zero. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah,
1: I think it's 100. Oh, 100. Yeah. Opacity Uh, to zero. (laughs) Transparency to 100.
0: Yeah, I I think so. But yeah, we, we know. Uh, and also if you have many objects on the slide and you just cannot right click just click outside of the slide and click format it's it's fine you don't have to click on the slide itself so i usually don't bother cuz there're always always many ob- uh, many objects on that uh, on that slide and just right click outside you have a lot of space to click and just click there and uh, you're good to go
1: yep any yeah anywhere on the on the slide or the background, yeah, uh, yeah the gray area, yep.
0: And uh, yeah, I, there's one more I, I cannot skip. <laughs> uh, if you if you change the background to something else, but you actually want the background to be used from the master slide, you click under the format. You click the reset background, or I think I think it's reset background, and then it will just. Display whatever is on the master slide, which can be helpful if you, that happens when you, when you apply the master slide later, uh, which is not the best way to do it, but then usually you have to go fix uh, the backgrounds if you set it to something else than the default. So yeah, that one.
1: Very nice. 17.
0: Yeah, 17. Check where the variable is used. Yeah, so if you go in uh, in the list of all the variables, on the right side you can see how many times it is used and if you click on that number, you can see where exactly the variable is used. Again, nice for troubleshooting to so just making sure everything is in the right place and uh, yeah, that's uh, good information to have.
1: Yep, yep, very nice. Sometimes you'll notice that uh, something's not working and it'll say zero or something and you'll be like, oh wait, it's it's not assigned right or something.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or, or there you can see which which ones you can delete because they're not used.
1: Oh, yeah, that's that's a great one.
0: Because that you know it often happens when you when you work from an old file that's a bunch of uh, variables are in there and you can go ahead and delete them. Yeah.
1: Yep. Or you're doing a you know pretty hefty project, a lot of problem solving, a lot of trial and error. Yeah. You end up with a whole bunch of extra triggers that are not needed. Yes, sir. All right, number eighteen. Format Painter. So, say you've got an object on the screen or a text box, and say it's got shadows on it or some you know effects, whatever it might be, and or, or even the color, and you want to carry that over to another object on the screen uh, or or text box. Uh, you can in the what is it? The home menu. You can well, I guess first click on the object that you want to kind of sample from, mm-hmm. and then in the home panel or home ribbon or whatever we call it, uh, in the the very left you'll see Format Painter. And if you click that and then click on the object that you want to kind of carry that formatting to, it will uh, kind of transfer those attributes on over. And you're all set.
0: And then there's a tip on this tip. You know, if you want to paint these settings, this formatting to more than one object, double-click on the button and the button will not automatically uh, turn off after the first click and it will just stay on and you can keep clicking on all of those objects that you want. Very handy. Very handy. Very nice. Uh, Number 19. Oh, that's mine. (laughs) (laughs) Number 19. I was just here waiting for you to say something. (laughs) I could, but I'll let you. (laughs) Thank you, sir. Because Uh, you know it. (laughs) Yes, I do. Um, if you, if you know, if you want a simple, uh, if you want some sort of randomization, uh, maybe to jump to a random slide, and you are not uh, JavaScript is just not your cup of coffee, then you can use this little trick. You create a question bank. Let's say you want uh, you want the user to jump randomly to one of the four, four slides. You can create a question bank and then in there you can put your four, uh, four slides and then you just select that only one is used in the, uh, well, the, the bank uses just one of those slides. So when they come to that, to that question bank, only one randomly slide will be displayed. Uh, and then there's a sort of expansion of this idea. You can create just blank slides. And then on each slide, so you have let's say you have again, four, four slides, and they're blank, and the only trigger on each is just jump to scene one, and then on another one, jump to scene two. When timeline starts, jump to scene three, when timeline starts, jump to scene four when timeline starts. So once they come to that point that the, the randomization will happen, you know it will just it will just blink, select one of the slides and jump to the scene you selected. So really simple, easy way. To create randomization, if you know JavaScript is just not your bag,
1: yeah. Well, it's it's a lot easier to to do that, and you can use that in games and all sorts of things. Just yeah. if you need to kind of put stuff on screen, and you know, if you need to randomly go to like a slide, that's that's what you have to do. Yeah, I will I will say though one thing with uh, if you use the randomization for quizzes, and you want to have like two of four, um, you have to you know like uh, question 2 of 4 because it's random yeah. you have to be a little creative with uh, some triggers to uh to know where you're at yeah but
0: i'm not sure i'm not sure what what um what the situation you, i mean cuz you you could have a question bank with two with two you can select you can select from the setting that you want two questions to be included
1: right but if you want text on screen that lets the user know that they're on question 4 of 10. oh
0: yeah 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 okay that that's that's plus one variable on the master slide yeah yep that's what you want
1: <laughs> and uh and reset that if you're uh
0: once you click once user clicks uh, once restart the quiz restart it yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, you learn that one quickly when you when you test <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's right you do
0: yeah that's it's like part of the routine later, <laughs>
1: yep. Um. So number twenty, I believe this one is yours. Number twenty. So I recently found this one out. Uh, actually, I was watching a video of Tim Slade's, and he actually mentioned that he found this out from Phil Mayer. And this is—I wish I knew this a long time ago because this would have saved a lot of time and, and energy. I think we've all been in the situ sit- in the situation where uh, you might paste something into a slide or however it happens and your timeline, the end of the timeline jumps to like, you know, I don't know, 500 minutes or some ridiculous number, uh, something where you need to go all the way to the end and click on the end and just start dragging it back and back and back. Cause you need to get it back to like the minute the slide is. Yeah. That can be exhausting. It can take a lot of time but there's a little trick to that. You can go all the way to that end slide, click, and start dragging back. Uh, so what you'll see on screen is, you know, any object that extends all the way to the end of the slide, you'll see just that whole end that whole end line moving back towards uh, the zero point, which would take you what hours and hours to keep dragging that back. While yeah. you're dragging that, if you hit the Uh, left arrow on the keyboard you'll still be holding on to that end you can still drag it back and forth but it'll actually jump the entire timeline it'll kind of almost scroll all the way to your your first all the way to zero so uh it will very quickly allow you to take that 500 minute timeline and drop it back down to uh what to you know your minute that you ultimately need
0: yeah it's super handy it's super handy really i had this, I had the the thing is you would ask me but how why do you have 500 second slides uh if you know if there's no need but <laughs> the thing is sometimes you copy objects from other th- slides and those objects have a long long uh, you know uh timing and when you paste them the whole the whole slide becomes long and sometimes that happens, you miss that detail, and then later you have to fix those. And <laughs> to have this trick, it's really handy. I'm, I, will, I will be using this from this day forward. Yep. Yeah.
1: Number so, 21. 21, is that where we're at? At the legal age in some
0: in some states.
1: So here in the US, it can, we can drink now.
0: <laughs> beer, one beer, please. Um Use feedback master when you have the same feedback more than once.: Yeah. And, it, and this is something I had you know with those uh, atoms and electrons I was explaining in the previous episode. Uh, and it's, uh, I had a situation because it was the same feedback on, on every, every time you finished the the, the task. You dropped all the electrons, and you said, check, and then you get, you get the feedback. It's correct or incorrect. And it's totally cost, and there's no free form or anything. And at that point, you know, I, I saw that I, I have, basically, I have the same layer on, you know, 20 slides. Uh, and I knew that it will be a pain if I will have to fix something because I will have to do it 20 times. So at that point if you if you have a layer that is the same on more than one slide, think about this. You you go to the not to the master slide, but feedback master, because layers are part of the feedback master. And then there I created the feedback for wrong and so correct and incorrect feedback. You know, and later I I do that and then I had I had some new information that after five tries, um I should display something else. So this was super simple to fix because everything was in, in the feedback master already. I just went in the feedback master, you know, I added a variable and plus one once this feedback is shown. So every time user answers, it doesn't matter. Is, is it correct or incorrect? I know it's plus one because it does that in the master slide. So when I come to the number five, I know it's number five. And then I, you know, just do something else based on that variable you know and imagine now having that I, I that i would have to do that 20 times and maybe there's a mistake and then i then i have to fix it 20 times so masters are masterful use them they're super useful <laughs> and yeah and yeah just just the, the very handy the, yeah the tip is just if if it's a layer go to the feedback master if it's on on the base layer you go to the master slide yeah it's very
1: handy very handy yeah, very much so. All right, 22, color palette. So I think I don't think a lot of people know about this, and I'll try to describe it as best I can without visuals. But let's say you've got, let's say you're not using a master slide, but you've got on every slide you've got a title, and you want that title to be blue, and you want um, a couple of boxes and other things to be some other colors. You know, you've got a general kind of color Maybe it's based on the brand or or your design, but you've got these colors that go all the way throughout your project. So every screen has a new title. It's the same color. Everything's consistent. But then later on, let's say you've built out 100 screens and the color changes. Now it should be red for whatever reason. And maybe some of these other boxes, maybe the buttons and other things that have been blue, let's say, for a long time now need to be orange. Well there's an easy way to change that. And you've probably been staring at it for a long time. And that's if you click on the design tab or the design panel, you'll see a a number of colors there at the top. And often you'll use those to kind of quickly, you know, I'll set that to blue or I'll set that to to yellow. Um, If those are kind of universal colors that are a color palette that you can change universally. So... If I were to take that title that's going to be whatever color I originally said, let's say it's blue all the way throughout the project, you select your title and you click in the design panel and click on the blue color and you just make sure that you always uh you always make you always color the title by going through the design tab and clicking that blue little color. What you can then do in Uh, Is it in the Design tab? Uh, I think you want to go to the right. Yeah, in the Design tab, if you go all the way to the right, you'll see a little button called Colors. If you click on that, you'll get a whole bunch of these different kind of sample colors. You'll see the one that is equivalent to your button set at the top of the Design tab. And what's nice about that is that's kind of your, you can create as many of those as you want. You can create kind of a a common one for one project or a common one for another project. Uh, But in this case, you can just click on the one that's currently there. You can go find your... I think you can right-click, edit, go find your blue color, and uh, it'll pop up a little color uh, selector palette. You can change the color to red, for instance, hit OK, and if you go back all the way throughout your entire project, now it will be red. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can do that for the buttons as well. So you can change all, you can universally change all the colors from one thing to another. Yeah. So this is really helpful if you're using, um, templates or, you know, again, if someone changes, uh, a design attribute, uh, during the development of a project, yeah. uh, can really come in handy and yeah. th- th- you can look around, do some searches and you'll see some people using that. It'll make a lot of sense, but, uh, very handy and and good to do uh get in the practice of of using that so you can yeah. you know quickly make adjustments
0: yeah i think the the emphasis is on the practice cuz you know if you if you're not going to listen to this advice now you will after some painful changing of the colors you'll have <laughs> to do 100 times cuz yeah that's that's super annoying and while we're here in the create new theme colors in this in this box maybe i can just add If you are pulling your hair out, where uh, the color for the hyperlink is, it is here. So exactly what David described under design, you go to colors, you go to create new theme, and or just change the current one, um, and then you can change the hyperlink to some other color because that blue is horrible.
1: You know, yeah, it is. I should say too that I kind of I slightly misspoke just a minute ago. If if you do. Click on a text box and hit, and go to the design panel and change a color. It's going to change the background color of the text box to blue, not the text itself. Yes, that's right. Uh, yeah. To change the text itself, you'll you'll go back to your home uh, panel, click on the text, and you'll see those same colors across the top, and then you'll see kind of variations of those colors, mm-hmm. uh, different shades. Um, just click on the same blue at the very top of that. That is equivalent to going to the design tab yes. and seeing those colors that you see there. Yeah. yeah.
0: Very well. Where are the, where are the show notes? Um, <laughs> 23. 23, yeah. This, this is a nice one uh, for all, maybe for more experienced users. But, but anyway, this is uh, something I started using uh, because, you know, often we have a course that it's locked uh, that it is it's locked, it's restricted in some way. you cannot click the next button until the slide finishes. you know you cannot jump around uh, which is funny you know that's if if that's how the course is' supposed to be. But when you're testing, sometimes you just don't want to wait two minutes for that speaker that you heard one hundred times before, and this is what I do to be able to skip those slides. In the master slide, in the top master slide, I put a trigger. If user presses a key, let's say Shift X, jump to the next slide. This is this is the little trigger you put there in the master slide, and then you can nicely skip through all the slides that you don't want to wait. And it's really handy, really really handy, um, because one you know when you're testing, you just you want to make sure that the the course is properly locked and that everything works as it's supposed to, but it makes your life so much easier just to to be able to skip that intro, you know, that you know it by heart and you dream it, um, dream about it. You just c- press the combination key, combination key and jump to the next slide and, yeah, you're golden.
1: Yeah, that, that's a favorite of mine, and uh, that's a great one. And, yeah, yeah, and I guess you could do that. You could set up all sorts of little things that you can... Uh, you can do uh you know he could set it to go to the next
0: uh two chapters or something yeah
1: next chapter or, or whatever you need it to do um stop the stop the audio or yeah very nice number twenty four uh twenty four uh so controlling the master layers anywhere, so I'm sure we've all run into the situation where we are in a layer and uh we have already created a layer within a master slide and we want to tell that layer from another slide somewhere in the project outside the master layer we want to tell that master layer to you know show up um, to show and we click on the buttons and the triggers and it's not an option i can't get to the master layers uh you know that could be for instance a i don't know a um maybe a search box it could be uh, like the search box, like I was talking about earlier. <laughs> uh, you just Say you want that on top of everything. Um, say you want that to show up. Or we use a lot uh, uh, closed caption boxes, and sometimes you want those closed caption boxes to. Well, always you want those to be on top. But even within layers, you want those to be on top. So how do you keep telling that? Uh, how do you keep telling that layer, which is on the master slide, to keep showing up on top of everything? So, if we want the layer to on the master layer to show up at any time, all we have to do is change the variable and we can get a little creative with that by uh, having a variable that is set to something specific. you know you could say um, you could set the variable to uh, page one and on the master slide, it'll look and say, "Oh, the variable changed," and then you've got a condition on that variable or on that uh, trigger to say if." Uh, show this layer if the variable is now page one, so you can have a lot more control than uh, than well, no control at all. Yeah, that's
0: very handy. I never, I never actually used this, uh, but uh, it's a great trick. A great trick. I, I will, when I'll have the chance, I definitely will because uh, yeah, I think it it's very handy. Yeah. Yeah,
1: and uh, so number twenty five. Yeah this This one this is easy to explain. Uh, so we put a video on the screen, and a lot of people will not even think about this, but when they publish their project and get it out to the their many learners, they start to click the video itself, which uh, stops or starts the video and can kind of desync it from the: Yeah, from the slide itself, yeah yeah from the slide itself, so now your timeline, which you were using as kind of a status uh indicator for the video, is all messed up and you know people are crying and it's you know
0: <laughs> it's a mayhem it's yeah. terrible
1: mayhem um so just throw an invisible box over your video and uh what do we say no more tears
0: yeah exactly the less tears the better
1: the less tears the better so that's uh and i a lot of people use videos and i I've certainly clicked through other people's projects and i'll accidentally click the video and everything will stop and i'll i'll think i had broken it but uh yeah no i, I i'd love it if there was an option to disable that but uh, for now just uh put, put an invisible box over it
0: yeah well my approach is to put a um, hotspot and then just right click on the hotspot and remove the setting to show the hand cursor so, yep, yep,
1: same thing. Yep, you can do that too.
0: Cuz I don't I don't like the invisible box cuz then you click it by accident and you don't see it's there. So I I usually use the hotspot cuz I can see it and then it's I think it's easier to work. Yeah, that's a great idea. And on that note, I think we can wrap up uh, episode 8. Thank you, Dave. Please tell us,
1: where can people find you? People can find me at uh, luminigroup.com. We do a lot of custom e-learning. Uh, at elearninglocker.com we've got a number of templates and videos that I create and kind of all things e-learning. I'm also on Twitter at uh, Dave underscore uh, Charney and uh, I think that's it oh you can check me out at the e-learning Guys at the elearningguys.com uh, how about you Nates? yeah you can also find me at uh, theelearningguys.com <laughs>
0: and on the Twitter uh, under nickname nejcd and also, yeah, if you if you need some help with your storyline project or maybe uh, some tutoring, uh, you can find me on elearningbrewery.com. And also, if you're maybe in, uh, if you're using iTunes, we would uh, love it if you could leave us a review and a rating, uh, so maybe other people can also find the show. Also, consider subscribing to the show. You know, you don't have to listen to the website. You can subscribe. You know, in. in In a podcast client on your phone, you can on on yeah yeah well on your phone because that's what we have. iPods are sort of dead, Um, and yeah, you can get the show the second it it goes out. Yeah, take care and uh, talk to you next week. Yep, take
1: care everyone and happy learning. Oh, where was I? Uh, I don't know. Changing something. (laughs) Yeah. Jeez,
0: I can't even talk yet.